Welcome to the King's Anywhere podcast, inspirational teaching, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whenever you're ready. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. God is great, so you don't have to be in control. Do you agree? My guess, because you're watching or listening to this, is that either you do agree or you'd like to believe that God is great so you don't have to be in control. So let me ask you a question then, seeing as you agree. Do you live like God is great so you don't have to be in control? Honestly, take a minute and ask yourself, is God in control of your life or are you? Does God get to say in the way you live your life, the decisions you make, the way you spend your time? Or do you say how often God gets to be involved in those things? When you find yourself in the midst of a situation or or certain circumstances, is it to God for his guidance that you turn first? Or do you have a go at resolving things yourself? And then only when you've run out of options, say, "Okay, God, you have a go now. Jesus gives us the ultimate example of trusting God's control. When he prays in the Garden of Gethsemane, mere hours before the cross and all the horrors that came with it, he kneels on the ground and he prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now, we don't have to endure the cross. Jesus did that for us. But we do get to live our lives as Jesus prayed. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And incredible things happen when we do. But that requires us to make some sacrifices. Along the way to living the life to the full that Jesus tells us is on offer in John 10.10. One of the things we need to sacrifice is our desire to control everything and to trust in God. Now I want to make a really clear distinction here between being in control and being controlling. Being in control or having things under control means we have freedom within some boundaries that are there for our own good. Being controlling means there's lots of boundaries and no freedom and that's not good. God is in control but he is not controlling and because of that we get to choose if we're going to place our trust or faith in him or if we're going to try and be completely in control ourselves and we get to do that in every situation in life from the day-to-day to the life-changing decisions because God is great so we don't have to be in control wherever we look we are surrounded by we are reminded of God's greatness in creation, the world that he called into being, we see his greatness shouted at us. Psalm 95 verses 3 to 5 says this, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. 
I remember once years ago sitting on top of a mountain and watching a thunderstorm roll through the valley below me. It was quite a sight. And I hadn't been a follower of Jesus long at this point. And while up until that point in my life, I'd seen plenty of amazing things in the natural world, in creation. In this particular moment, for the first time, I realised that what I was seeing was a demonstration of God's power, of God's greatness. Jesus demonstrates this himself when he and his disciples are they're in the middle of a storm at sea their boat is being tossed it's been thrown around in the in the waters and Luke's gospel says that they were in great danger the disciples are understandably terrified and Jesus well Jesus is having a nap in the back of the boat so the disciples went and they woke him saying master master we're going to drown he got up he rebuked the wind and the raging waters the storm subsided and all was calm. I wonder how long the disciples had battled with the boat against the raging weather before they went to Jesus. I wonder how long they tried to control the situation. How long would you, metaphorically speaking now, how long would it take of you trying to steer the boat, to bail out the water, to navigate through the darkness before you turn to God. When you were exhausted, when the boat started to sink, maybe you would turn to him when the first clouds appeared on the horizon. Now, I'm not suggesting that when the waves get big, we just stop playing our part. As someone who's spent a lifetime in small boats on big water, I don't mind telling you that there are plenty of situations where I've prayed at the same time as I've paddled. The boat still needs steering. And I also don't want to suggest for one minute that allowing God to be in control means that we'll never face the storms or that they'll always be calmed the instant that we turn to him. But to stretch this analogy a little further, are you going to spend your life keeping the boat in the shallows where everything is safe and comfortable and you can keep control of it? Or... Are you willing to say, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. I'll steer this boat wherever you lead and trust you, even when it puts me right in the path of a storm. Because I know that you're beside me. Jesus wasn't asleep in the back of the boat because he was somehow asleep on the boat or he didn't care. Jesus was asleep because he knew he was so confident in how in control of that situation he was. Some of the great stories I have to tell about my life, about what God has done in my life, come from times when I've deliberately placed him in control, where I've trusted him enough to follow the path that he's pointing me down, even if all I can see is the next step. Perhaps you can call to mind now some of the miraculous, remarkable things you've seen God do in your life and the lives of people you know. When I pause to look back at my life, I can see clearly the greatness of God displayed in it and in the lives of my friends and family. Then I can look forward and trust in my great God for the future. But here's the thing. Even though there is evidence of God's greatness and goodness in our lives and we get to live in that, the ultimate definitive demonstration of God's greatness and goodness isn't found in my life or your life. It is found in the life, the death 
and the resurrection of Jesus. I think though there are plenty of things that might stop us letting God have complete control when it comes to our lives. Maybe you struggle with believing God is great. Can I suggest a good antidote for that is reading your Bible and reflecting on what it says about the greatness of God. If you're not sure where to start, then Genesis 1 is always a good place. Then look at the creation around you, at the stars in the sky, all that came into being just by his word. God is great. Fear would certainly be up there as one of the things that stops us trusting God to be in control. And the assumption, I think, sometimes is that the opposite of fear is safety. Think back to the boat staying in the shallow water. So maybe we surround ourselves with and work away at things that keep that fear at bay, that keep us feeling safe. So whatever the fear is, the things we do or we put in place around us, they don't remove that fear. They don't free us from it. Actually, I would suggest that they are the clearest evidence that that fear persists. In 1 John 14, 18, it tells us this, that perfect love drives out fear. So let's say you fear money worry. So making money takes priority over everything else. But in his perfect love, all you need is found in Christ. You fear rejection, maybe. So you spend time and energy looking and acting a certain way when in his perfect love, you get to be secure in your identity in Christ. Maybe you feel loneliness, so you chase relationships no matter how damaging they are. But in his perfect love, Jesus promises to never leave or forsake us. Maybe you fear mediocrity, so you become driven, which along with all of the above means we pile pressure on ourselves to be in control. And that goes hand in hand with worry. When Jesus, in his perfect loves, asks us in Matthew 6, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? See, not only does worry not in any way extend our life into the future somehow, but it also diminishes it in the here and now, in this moment too. Corrie Ten Boom, who is an author and a concentration camp survivor, I would thoroughly recommend, if you've never read it, to read her book, The Hiding Place. She uh, she has this brilliant quote where she says, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its strength. Sorry, worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. When we trust that God is great and we don't have to be in control, we get to live our lives in his strength, not ours. Jesus goes on in Matthew 6 to say this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things that's our practical everyday concerns will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Did I wonder if underneath it all the reasons sometimes people don't fully trust God, don't seek his kingdom and his righteousness, the reason that they wrestle back or never relinquish control of some parts of their lives is that actually they haven't fully understood, fully accepted that he is good. And we don't think he's really got our best interest in mind. That 
is one of the enemy's greatest lies. He's been using it since the Garden of Eden, trying to convince us that actually my life would be better if I didn't follow that biblical instruction because ignoring it and giving in to temptation right now would be really satisfying. Or my life would be easier if I didn't make that sacrifice with my time or my money or prioritise God's kingdom and his people this weekend. Trusting God is in control isn't just about asking him for a specific outcome in certain situations. It's about how we live our whole lives, recognising that the God who created the whole universe and us sets boundaries, gives us instructions not to limit our lives, but so that we can flourish in the way that he intended for us. So it's not just a question then of God's greatness, but also his goodness. So let me repeat my earlier statement. The ultimate definitive demonstration of God's greatness and goodness isn't found in my life or your life. It's found in the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The only thing that matches God's greatness is God's goodness. In a few weeks as part of our Root and Fruit series there will be a whole talk on God's goodness but I want to just touch on it now because it is both God's goodness and his greatness that mean that we can trust him to be in control. Across all four gospels Jesus makes plenty of statements about who he is but in only one of them he talks about his heart. You probably have heard it before. It's in Matthew 11. And he says this, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's gentle and humble. Some versions of the Bible translate that as gentle and lowly. So the same God whose greatness is revealed in the roaring of thunder is gentle, compassionate, kind. That is his very heart. That's who he is. The same God whose greatness is revealed in the countless stars of the cosmos is humble or lowly. He isn't distant. He isn't far off and uninterested and not understanding. He says instead, he says, come, come to me. His heart is to be gentle towards us. His heart is to be good towards us. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. And God is good. So how does that mean that we now get to live our lives? To go back to my question earlier, how do we live like God is great? So we don't have to be in control. Well, I think we can sum that up really succinctly by taking the words of Jesus in Gethsemane as our prayer, as the key factor, actually, in our decision making. In every situation of life, in the joys and the trials, in the big stuff and the small stuff, in the spiritual stuff and the mundane day to day stuff. Simply this. Father. Not my will, but yours be done. We hope you enjoyed this message. To find out more about King's Church Warrington, visit our website or find us on Facebook and Instagram.